do it if that's okay. Sounds perfect to me. I'll let it go this time. Thanks, Gord. The following program is for adult <laughs> audiences only. This is... This is... Eric and Gord, what if we're right? Live, right now. Are you ready? Find, find and like us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram. Well, hi there, everybody. Happy uh, Thursday. It is March the 26th, 2020. I'm Eric talking at you once again from Kelowna, British Columbia, Canada, where I'm starting to think you need to know something about animation before you try it. <laughs> Might come in handy. I'm thinking, how's it going, Gordon? Our, um, still alive and breathing. Still, well, that's better than some people. Um, it is. Our animated movie is going much slower than I had planned because I don't know how to animate things. But. Well, it's going way faster than if I were doing it, I'll tell you that much. I suppose so. Uh, hi, world. How you doing? Thanks for listening. Uh, don't forget to uh, share with a friend. Today, we have a guest that we've been looking forward to for a very, very long time. Uh, is it? You're going to have to help me with the last name, Russell. I'm sorry, I'm... That's all right. It's like Nolte, but spelled differently. It's like I Nick thought Nolte, so. but spelled differently. So I was Russell gonna, Nolte. I chickened out. I was going to go with that. Russell Actually, Nolte. I'm personally disappointed. His... I, was, I was hoping it was going to be no healthy. <laughs> I want to get the hell in there, but well, you know, no one actually knows what the right pronunciation is because it was lost in the hills of Ireland when everyone came over. So there's no hill. We think it traces back to no hilly or no hilty uh, back from Ireland, but uh, we're not a hundred percent sure. All I know is that I feel really old because people are not are starting to not get the Nick Nolte reference because he's <laughs> like from my growing up generation and so when i talk to younger podcasters and younger people they're like who's nick nolte and i'm like god we need another famous nolte because this is gonna die out in like 20 years and no one's gonna know uh if i were you i'd just pronounce it differently every time i do any little bit of press i just pronounce it differently <laughs> i thought it, i thought it was nolte it's no healthy it's no literally um so obviously everybody sorry is uh reputation precedes him um why don't you tell our listeners who don't know who you are i'm sure there must be one or two of them uh who you are <laughs> sure my name is russell nolte i'm a usa today best-selling author i'm the publisher at wannabe press the editor of the cthulhu is hard to spell monster anthology series <laughs> and uh the writer of a whole bunch of books along with the host of the complete creative podcast and uh that is also a training academy and blog and we do a whole bunch of other stuff on there too and it is a very very cool right website on. um i was on the website this morning just looking around and it is uh just it's really helpful and easy to understand um what what is it about your story that makes you uh, be so inclined to help others uh uh, well, when I started doing this about 15 years ago, uh, nobody was there to help anybody, really. Uh, it was very hard to find information, and uh, everybody kind of uh, kept their secrets guarded. And so when I started doing it, uh, I promised that I would not be like that. 
I found a couple of uh, of sort of online mentors uh, in people like Jim Zub, who even though I hadn't talked to him back then, I would read his blog and he would talk about the bad times and the 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 struggles as much as the successes, and he would break down what a success actually meant. So uh, he did a book called Skull Kickers for Image, and he would show how his book uh, was was uh, was not in profit for like multiple issues, and he would he would show uh, everything, like the whole back and forth of of of, of what was going on, and I wow. found that so helpful in understanding that I wasn't broken and that I wasn't uh, I wasn't bad or I wasn't stupid for not getting it immediately because uh, it's just kind of impossible to get it immediately. And I think we live it in is. a society, especially now where there's just there's there's so much uh, uh, glitz and glamour and the best parts of us that uh, people who are having a bad time uh, or having struggles, uh, they 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 sort of feel really 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 bad about themselves because they uh, they they see everyone at their highest and I wanted to show not that I don't talk about the good times on the blog it's, this blog's not a bummer it's just like very accurate to what it means to live a creative life so I try and break down everything good bad. I try to break down the what 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 a like what a big success really means, what a big failure really means, what pivoting means, and I'm hoping that by the time my career is over, if nothing else, it will be a fairly unbroken streak of what it means to lead a creative life. And That's uh, fantastic. and sorry, yeah, and on top of that, just I would go to shows and because uh, I make a lot of my money. Well, I did at live conventions and I would just get hundreds, uh, probably thousands of people over the years asking me what like how I did it and how I performed certain things. And and uh, it just became the most natural thing for me to like I would talk to them for a long time on at my table and they would uh, I like to talk quite a bit. And so they would um, leave kind of wide eyed and like like I had just like blown a leaf blower in their face. Uh, so <laughs> I decided to start uh, listing all of this stuff. So instead of them having to remember what was in some conversation they had with me two years ago, uh, they would they could just reference it easily. And uh, it was easier for me. It's easier for them. And then it all grew from there. That's awesome. That's so I awesome. find that, especially for writers, it's still kind of difficult to there, – there's no, like, one-stop shop you can go as a writer and just get uh, all the resources you need and the answers you need. Um, I, I, I like to pretend no, I'm a bit of a writer honestly, myself. Different... And it's just it's, – Yeah, so it's different stuff for, for, uh, for nonfiction and fiction. It's just – it's kind of a mess all over the internet. And, and uh, it's and, really easy and to so be I down on yourself. Of... Because I don't think any writer ever is confident. I, I'm not sure anyone gets to that point. Maybe maybe Stephen King at one point was a little bit, but uh, I think for the most part, <laughs> most writers think they suck. Well, I think that's partially because uh, when you're creating something from nothing, uh, there's always the chance that it will be bad. So I usually I look at the last two seasons of Game of Thrones as the perfect example. 
you know, even when you're six seasons in or seven seasons in and you're the best show on television, you can destroy it in six episodes. And like, you're always, (laughs) you're always on a knife's edge when it comes to any creativity, whether that's music or, or, uh, or writing or podcasting where at any moment you could break the formula that makes it successful. And on top of that, you're always growing. So you want to keep pushing the boundaries of, of what you can do, but the audience has an expectation of what they expect from you. So even when you are a, 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 a big name writer, you have, uh, or, or artist of any type you want to explore and your, your audience tends to want more of the same. So it's this balance of how do I, maintain my creative integrity while I uh, can grow, while I can also support the audience that I have. It's a real, it's it's a real tightrope walk. And I don't know, uh, yeah, I don't know that many people that get it right uh, even half the time. Uh, The the problem, one thing that really happened with the podcast, we got, we were really high up on the Apple charts for a split second. And now that's all I want. I want to figure out how we did it and just get back to it. I'm just constantly chasing that monkey, and it's never going to – you know, it's just like drugs. It's never going to be the, the same the second time, but we're trying. No, I'll, tell you a, I, 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 I'll tell you a story. We are currently in the middle of a Kickstarter, which is ending today for our – what has ended up being our second most successful book of all time. Uh, it had over 700 and. 39 backers and over $31,000 raised easily our second most successful book of all time. And it is a uh, stone cold bummer because the first book, it is the second book in a series. And the first book raised over $39,000 from 1,039 backers. So uh, even though it's our second most successful book compared to the first book, it is uh, it is uh, it is nowhere near as successful. It's thirty nine, almost eight thousand dollars less. It's o- over three hundred backers less. And I'll be honest, like it's it, it it's hard for me to stomach that you know something we put so much effort into and something that I think is better than the first book just because of uh, the the talent involved and the the skill level increasing of the editors and me bringing on more editors. Uh, to to help the process, uh, I think is a better product, but it's doing worse. But I try to remember that um, a couple of things. The first is it is our second most popular book of all time at launch. Like it is, it still raised over thirty thousand dollars, and literally anybody would uh, would really really love to have a Kickstarter comic that raises over thirty thousand uh, dollars. So I try say, to remember that. And yeah, and uh, you know it's. It's uh, but once you hit a number, it, the, 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 it's, it's very human to want to do make that the expectation and not the, the reach. And that's because you can't uh, you, you can't think every time you do something incredible is uh, is, um, it, 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 it is amazing because you would just like gasp yourself into unconsciousness every day. As that's you level the up. story of my life. Uh, that's that's just how I get up in the morning. <laughs> yeah, but the second thing that's really important is to remember that your success is not uh, equated to your self worth, and you need it. Really, is really hard, and it's the it's really the uh, 
the, the, the work of a lifetime to try and decouple the, the product itself uh, and the success of it from uh, how you view yourself. Because if, frankly, you're going to put out good work uh, and, and your work is going to improve and sometimes you're going to get a hit and sometimes you're not going to get a hit and sometimes you'll be at the top of the charts and sometimes you'll be in the middle of the charts. Sometimes you may be at the bottom of the charts. But, um, but at, some, at some point, uh, you have to become okay with the fact that you're putting out a good product and the product itself is its own reward. Um, and then anything that happens above that is is gravy. That's not to say that you can't like try and do the marketing and all of that other stuff. Uh, but uh, I've been much happier in the past year as I've really, really worked hard to decouple those things and understand that I am not a person who succeed. Uh, uh, I am not a success or a failure. I am a person who succeeds or fails, and that is part of a much bigger part of who I am. Definitely. I, I find with my writing, I'm, I'm just uh, in the editing process of my first attempt at a novel. And for me, that's very personal, and I know it's good. Like I'm, I'm proud of it, and I really don't care if it ever sells a copy. I, I just think it's great. My, my ego is all attached to this podcast. That's where I... That's where I get all the ego from. But writing, that's my own thing. And if it's, I, I do it because I love it. And uh, whatever comes of it, I, I could really care less. I do want to see my name on a shelf, though. I just love to walk into, like, Barnes & Noble and just see a big cardboard cutout of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, I, never, um... I never get to get tired of hearing the, uh, I never get tired of seeing my books or holding them in my hands uh, once they're done. Yeah. Um, but I think that's the opposite for me. For me, the writing is the thing that my ego is attached to. And the podcast that I have, The Complete Creative, is where I get to just, like, do the thing I want and talk to people that I really admire. And uh, sometimes it, sometimes I go uh, – sometimes I have uh, – uh, uh, my show gets a lot of downloads. A lot of times it doesn't get a lot of downloads. And uh, – and that's okay because I yeah. have, I have, uh, I have become okay with the fact that that some things uh, or everything really uh, uh, should be done to the best of its ability. But even Disney, even Disney, nine out of ten movies that they release are bombs. Like that's Universal true. had like bomb after bomb after bomb after bomb, and these are the best people at content creation in the world working at these companies uh, putting hundreds of millions of dollars into production and like even they're failing spectacularly more times than they succeed uh if i could give any advice to any podcaster who might possibly be listening it's don't pay attention to the numbers don't don't go down that rabbit hole because uh it it'll drive you insane they they make no sense <laughs> we've uh we've we've been yeah, I, uh, I I agree with that. We've been, uh, you know, knocking on Joe Rogan's door, and we've been at the bottom of the list so many times that I I just gave up on it. I just, I do it, and I have fun, and I hope people listen. And uh, if not, then you're just talking to me and Gord, but that's kind of cool. Uh, I did want to ask, just because I, I'm, I'm curious as a, as a writer, uh, are you... I'm very much sit down with a pen and go and see where it's going. Like I start with a very loose premise. Do you, 
Do you have a, a really good idea of what you're writing before you write it? Or, do you... or uh, you know, so do you... for me, I sorry. So for me, I, uh, I, I have a bullet point outline of every thousand words. So every thousand words of, uh, of what I write, uh, I sort of have a, a loose idea of what is going to happen. So it'll say on the left side of a page, it'll say like zero, 1000, 2000, 3000. And it will go up to as far as long as I think the book is going to be usually somewhere between 70 and 120,000 words. And uh, every 10,000 words, I will have a main plot point that I have to hit. So uh, the book won't make sense without it. It won't pace without it. But I do have the the smaller plot points between 1,000 and 10,000, let's say, that I can sort of move around as I as I work. Because even though I have an outline, I tend to uh, I tend to cram a lot of things together, condense things, expand some other things, and I need that freedom. But I also want to know where I'm going. Last year, I tried to do a outline without plotting again, which I used to do back in like 2016 and 17. But uh, I I was sitting in front of my computer, and after about three months, I had written maybe 3,000 words. So (laughs) I I now uh, make sure that I do that outline. I actually did that outline for myself, and within a week, I had written 20,000 words. And that's usually what I write, about 5,000 words a day uh, when I'm writing. And... uh, so I have been a non non plot person or a pantser as they call them. Uh, it would take me about a year to write a book, yeah. uh, maybe six months to write a book. When I started plotting, I could do that same book in two to three weeks. Oh wow! Um, I wrote wow. a, my last book was ninety thousand words, and I wrote it, edited it, and sent it to my to my um, to my uh, editor in less than a month. That's so usually amazing. a book will. Yeah, but it's it's really because I can I I have the plot, and yeah. then I know where I'm going. I'm gonna I, have to try that because with really mine, mine takes place in three different time periods. And when I got to the end, and I was so happy I was finished, the chronology makes no sense whatsoever. I had to pretty much go right back to square one and start again. So that, <laughs> that outline would have helped me quite a bit. Yeah, and I have uh, I have four characters usually as main characters in my book, so I want to make sure they all get uh, adequate uh, chapter time. I want to make sure their plots make sense, that they are driving forward to the end, and I want to make sure that I'm pl- that the things that I'm seeding at the beginning of the book pay off towards the end of the book. I know Neil Gaiman says that the second draft is just making the first draft make sense and that and and make people think that you were. Uh, that that you knew what you were doing all along, <laughs> but I like to at least uh, I like to at least have an outline of the book uh, beforehand so that I know what the major plot points are because there are some major plot points that your book is going to hinge on, and I want to know what those are even if the rest of the book doesn't make any sense uh, or or I don't use any other thing. I want to at least know where the next driver is. So I like to think of a book. uh, I come from movies and TV. I live in L.A. So uh, 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 I think of it as a sequence. So uh, every roughly 10 minutes of a movie is a sequence. And so uh, there's 
there's rising action, there's falling action, there's climaxes, there's something that is driving the plot forward to that end of that sequence. Uh, James Bond movies are great about this because, like, he keeps moving locations and, like, getting caught and all of these things are their own sequence. You can really see them in, like, a James Bond movie about, yeah, uh, you know, there's the one, there's a sequence where, like, he, uh, he, he's like getting his, his, his test. And then the sequence where he's like meeting the girl and the sequence where he's uh, playing poker. And all of these are very like discrete sequences. And I like to think of my books in the same manner. So it's important for me to know where each, not just where the book ends, but also where each sequence ends so that I can build and then, uh, and then hit a climax and then lower tension because you can't have a book that goes consistently at, uh, at 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 a hundred miles an hour. Otherwise, it would be like someone just screaming at you. You need to have that subtlety <laughs> of rising and falling action. You need to have uh, characters like deal with the consequences of what just happened to like reset, so that the audience can reset, uh, the reader can reset, and then start again, building ever so slowly towards the ma- the major climax of the book. Absolutely. Um, I noticed you. Uh, I, I forget where I, I read it. Put ever that much thought to anything. <laughs> I forget where I read it, but you had cited <laughs> somewhere. I was reading about you. You had cited uh, Douglas Adams as as a major influence of yours. I uh, I think the Hitchhiker's Guide. I was just telling Gord off the air there that uh, it's the first book I ever read that made me laugh out loud. Like I I had never experienced that before. Um, but I. He's a great example of what you just said. Like that, that whole book, uh, just it's it's up and down the whole time, and it's a it's a great read. I recommend anyone who's watched the movie and not read the book, you're missing out completely. Um, absolutely. But the thing about him is, so he writes absurdism, right? But his plots are are very tight, and he has these very discrete sequences, which allows him to play. And I've always thought. You know, a lot of writers or people in general think that like having structure is is going to hinder creativity. But I find that having a solid structure actually improves creativity, because if people know where they're going, at least have an idea of where they're going, they're much more uh, likely to follow the story and the tangents and the humor that you want to add in there. It's once. It's when people feel unmoored. I mean, just look at what's happening now. Like, we're kind of all unmoored in time. We have no idea what's going on. So most of the people that I know, at least, are uh, scrambling to find any semblance of, like, structure in their lives. And it's the same with your readers, is your readers are looking for structure. And if you don't give them some structure to hold on to, then they will uh they'll be scrambling to find anything in the text but if you if you if you if you uh ground them with what's going to happen and they know where they're going you can you can have a lot more freedom with how to get there that makes perfect sense um you you mentioned uh just a minute ago that you you never get tired of having your book in your hand uh question that's really been bugging me i i i really fear the the thought of libraries going the way of the video store um where where do you see print is is print okay is it going to stick around for a while or is it going to go digital before we want it to well uh digital uh at least with traditionally published books not uh not uh um our books 
like a independently published books uh hit a hit a wall about two to three years ago and they've been falling ever since uh print books have made a massive comeback most of the publishers that i talk to still say that 90 percent of their sales come from print 10 percent from digital now uh, that is not the same with independent publishers but independent publishers uh, aren't really a factor in libraries uh, most right. libraries are uh most libraries are buying from traditional publishers and traditional publishers pretty much exclusively unless you're in Baker and Taylor or Ingram or uh, have some way for, for, for them to notice you. But there's 110,000 libraries in America, and uh, it, every one of them seems to be going strong. Um, you know, uh, I, 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 I'm very I'm – very, uh, uh, um, I feel very buoyed by what I learned about the Great Depression, where even in the Great Depression, they lost zero libraries. And I think that libraries are the one place in a in a town often where you don't go with a uh, expectation of buying anything. And that's true. Uh, they perform a service above just books. They also have uh, have uh, community areas. They also have live readings. They also have computers. Some people, it's their only computer that they have. So it's their, it's how they get to job interviews, how they apply to jobs. Uh, libraries serve a vital function to community that's much more than just books, although we tend oh, to think of them as books. And as, and, as, and as libraries become more of a community organizing center, uh, then uh, they'll become even more intrinsically linked here in Vancouver, the they opened up. The... Uh, oh, sorry. I was just going to say, here in Vancouver, they've opened uh, recording studios, just little little booths. So if you're a podcaster or if you're just like a guy who's got a song he wants to record, it's just free recording time, in, and it's a full on studio. Yeah. It's very very cool. Yeah, in in L.A., uh, my local library has a 3D maker space, so you can go in and do 3D printing. Oh, that's uh, it's, wow. I mean, it's it. They can be really cool spaces, but from all accounts, most uh, most millennial and Gen Z people are are buying books like like book books. Um, they're not buying uh, they're not buying ebooks as much. So, uh, and I see that at shows. I do most of my stuff at live conventions, but even when I look online at uh, this last Kickstarter we're launching, somewhere between sixty and seventy percent of the people have bought the 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 print book even oh. though it's four times more expensive than the digital book and is that the yeah. same with the uh i i've noticed uh well maybe i'm just haven't been paying attention the last like 10 years or so but it seems to me that the uh literary community as a whole has kind of really started to accept graphic novels as as part of the the uh, library experience part of the literary experience do you find it's this um it's a better reception now than you got when you started. Are they more? Um, yeah, I, I, I hate I to say credible, but it's you, no, you, it's definitely more credible, especially for kids, because uh, you know uh, Raina Telgemeier and a whole bunch of others have come onto the scene to help uh, buoy uh, 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 graphic novels, and there's been studies that show that graphic novels are uh, are a, a great way to uh, to 
bring children into the learning experience. Oh, also, a lot of dyslexic and people with learning disabilities learn better from graphic novels than they actually do from print books. There you There's go, also Gord. studies that show that 20... 20- oh, that's, I've been, it's funny that you mentioned that because uh, when I was in high school, I had a buddy of mine who tried to get me into uh, some graphic novels. Uh, Spawn being one of the first early ones I remember. Um, and uh, I just... You know, the only comics I read as a kid were Archie, you know. So mm-hmm. getting in a graphic novel was almost intimidating for me because I was more focused on the pictures than actually getting into the story. Um, so it almost backfired against me because my buddy said basically sort of said the same thing. He goes, well, you don't do well in school. Try reading one of these. So you think I'm just like the fucking art is awesome. I got to go off for a second, too. I absolutely <laughs> hate what they've done to Archie. This whole Riverdale, the dark, weird Riverdale thing, I can't stand it. It drives me nuts. Well, good news is they still have the original Archie comics. My friend Dan Parent draws them, and uh, they're quite good. Yes, they have a lot of other, like, crossovers and such, and uh, Undead Archie and a couple of others, but, like, there's still (laughs) the old Archie and the Riverdale gang you can still read. I recommend if you do want to try comics, though, Gord, you uh, yeah. you read a book called Understanding Comics by Scott McCloud. It got my wife into comics. It teaches yeah. you how to read comics. Uh, comics have a very high barrier to entry, actually, uh, because of the way that the words and the pictures work together to tell a story. A lot of people either only read the words or only look at the pictures, but it really is the 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 molding of both of those two things together that makes a graphic novel. So uh, Scott McCloud's Understa- Understanding Comics is what I recommend to everybody. It, it literally changed my wife's perception of comics. I tried to get her into comics for years, and uh, it was, the, it was the, um, the deciding factor that allowed her to, 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 uh, to, uh, to appreciate comics in a way that uh, made her love them. I have to ask, uh, this is probably going to bore the crap out of people, but I have to ask just a couple of nerdy technical questions. Uh, For as as far as just the basic comic, is there a software out there that's any good at all for putting together a comic? I mean, yeah, there's a lot. So let's assume you are an artist. Um, There's obviously Photoshop. Uh, but there's also Clip Studio, uh, also called Manga Studio. I, I do um, like on Clip the iPad. Studio, there's but... Procreate. Procreate. Okay. Um, if you are a, uh, and also there's uh, if you're for lettering, there's uh, you want to do vector, so you are going to be looking at Illustrator or a similar program uh, that can that can read vector files. Uh, then there's uh, InDesign, and uh, that's one I haven't tried. And the one for InDesign, and then there's one for Adobe too. Uh, there's um, no, it is Adobe InDesign. There's Quark. Quark is another one that you could use to do layouts. Um, but frankly, when I get books back from my from my uh, artist, I just use Adobe Acrobat Pro to put them together and and order them and paginate them cool. and 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 Photoshop. I still have the same uh, the same Photoshop that I've had for years. That's very cool. And I've been just, I, I've been uh, attempting a comic for the last few years, and I really wanted to do a hand drawn comic. And I realized why people don't do that anymore. It's an insane amount of work, and it's just yeah, it's, it's uh, ridiculously time consuming. So, so most 
most of most people that I know will still do Bristol board, which is the 11 by 17 comic book size uh, uh, print uh, with blue lines on it. Right. So they will do Bristol board for uh, for pencils and then they will import it into their computer to do inks and then they will. Will, uh, they will move from inks and they will do colors usually in Photoshop and then they'll do letters in Illustrator. So that's usually wow. what people do. Or they will go straight to uh, inks digitally, which is my preference for artists to do because it saves a whole lot of time. Uh, but it does it does uh, it does uh, put a certain look on 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 a lot of the the work that you're going to see. It takes a lot to make digital work look hand drawn uh yeah. so uh, a lot of the more cartoony books like the books that i make that uh, are 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 quite a bit uh quite a bit easier to do digitally than a lot of like the marvel or dc stuff so a lot of the marvel or dc stuff is still done on bristol board and then uh brought into a computer for for inking but that's right. not to say it's across the board because I do know a lot of uh, DC and Marvel people that are doing everything digitally. And I know a lot of uh, independent or like uh, uh, artists who are still doing Bristol board. It really I think it really depends on on, on how you were brought up. Yeah, uh, certainly. And a comfort factor, a, too, it, I would imagine. If you, Yeah. And also this just so when you're when you're when you're doing it on a Wacom or a tablet. Uh, there's a gliding like a paper has a resistance that uh, a digital screen doesn't. So right. you can buy a screen protector that actually adds resistance back to uh, the screen to make it feel more like a um, feel more like paper. Isn't that funny? I think that's called remarkable. I know for me, for writing, not not so much for art, but for writing, I can't write in front of a screen. I can't write on a keyboard. I, I need a pen and paper. I'm I'm weird that way. Uh, I just I, I know can't... a lot of comp- I know a lot of I, I know a lot of writers who are like that though who who write on paper first and then they will transfer it to their computer. I just have to. I don't know. There's something about it. It's, it's just something about paper. I I think I'm weird paper of what, what, what's a paper of file? What would you call a? Is there a? There's got to be a know, term. I know. I know. Yeah, I mean, one be a of term. my a lot of my uh, friends are uh, a lot of my friends who are writers are also like obsessive journalists, like journal journaling people. Yeah. Like they they collect journals and such, and paper and pens are a big thing for them. I personally uh, write on a computer. Uh, it's the only way that I can really figure out what I'm going to write. Uh, it, it's natural to me, but. The great thing about creativity is that it's different for every human who does it. Absolutely. Um, hmm. where hey, just I? so you know, Eric, you'd be called a papri papriophiliac. A papriophiliac. I like that. I think I'm assuming might... I'm butchering the living shit out of that that word, but um, so you know, I'm gonna have to uh, add that into my title somewhere. <laughs> papriophilia. <laughs> I like the sound of that. So, um, <laughs> what's good? I genuinely don't know. I checked out uh, right when like Seth MacFarlane was coming onto the scene. Uh, where where are comic books at? Is it are they are they good? Are they bad? What's what is happening in the world? Uh, well, uh, Kickstarter has allowed a whole bunch 
of independent comic to exist that wouldn't have a chance to exist before uh before so it's sort of the golden age of independent comics um that's dc is doing some really interesting stuff with graphic novels now for teens and then uh basically every big studio uh, uh every big publishing company from uh Scholastic to Random House to uh, Macmillan all has at least one uh, one graphic novel division, uh, which cool. has never really happened before. I said so Seth McFarlane, didn't I? I? That, uh, I met Todd McFarlane. I'm sorry. You did. <laughs> Idiot. That's okay. Either could have been okay. Either it's could a, have been uh It's a bitter acceptable. topic for me because I gave away Spawn number one. I read it and I said, this is never going anywhere. This is garbage. I gave it to my friend Robbie. Well, <laughs> well, they just came out. I think they, well, I think it may have just came out or it was supposed to come up before Diamond stopped distributing uh, 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 Spawn number 300. So oh, wow. 300 issues of Spawn. Yeah, that's got to be um, but, you almost know, 30 years ago. Up and down. Yeah, I mean, well, I would imagine you're so. You're talking as, about. As, as far as like storylines go up and down, right? So. And I just I I think the just the way society kind of goes and and fads go I think you know um, there wasn't there wasn't that kind of like need for escape the last few years people were kind of uh, not I don't know how what am I trying to say here <laughs> the um, I, I don't know but I will say that like the amount of comics that you have access to now in great comics is has never been um, has never been higher. Whether you like manga style comics or slice of life comics or um, or uh, Marvel DC comics or horror comics, whatever it is, there are uh, literally hundreds of choices. Whether it's in stores or it is in um, it is in um, it is in uh, Kickstarter or it's going to Webtoon, which is huge, or Tapas, which is huge, to find web comics or HiveWorks or there's just there's so many options depending on what you like. Uh, you know, you could subscribe to a Patreon. There's just so many ways to find comics. Um, so, in your opinion, are they all will, are they quality like or is it like podcasting comics, where there's? Is it sorry? Are they quality or is it like podcasting where there's eight hundred thousand that aren't worth checking out, and there's you know the other hundred thousand are good, but. I mean, I think it really depends on the style of what you're looking for. There's a ton of good comics. There's a ton of bad comics. Um, comics is really in a bad place right now, at least in America, because with uh, uh, with the coronavirus, all comic shops in California and many around the country have been shut down because they're non-essential services. Of Our distributor for comics, Diamond, Diamond Distributors, is... Uh, has stopped shipping new comics starting next week. Uh, so most comic book stores are only available, um, only uh, making books available by mail order. You can't even go and get like a, a carry, uh, like you can't even go and get a delivery for comics. So wow. uh, if you are interested in uh, in getting into, if you are in America and you're interested in getting into comics, then I highly recommend to reach out to your local comic book shop and see what they can do to to give you some back issues that you may uh, be in, that may interest you. They have a ton of time to go through and show you exactly what uh, what what you should uh, you know what's good and and what 
fits your taste because the thing that's great about comics now is that there's things for all sorts of tastes so if you like archie comics there's hundreds of different kinds of comics that are like archie if you like uh if you like spawn there's tons of comics like spawn if you like barbarella there's there's tons of books like barbarella if you like lady death hey there's still lady death like who would have thought there'd still be lady death almost almost uh, 30 years after lady death came onto the scene i am uh, a and, huge fan uh, of uh chew I chew. I could chew is. I think one of the greatest. I I don't know if that's a comic. It's kind of a. I guess more comic than graphic novel, but it's absolutely brilliant. Oh yeah, chew is amazing. Um, Ryan, uh, uh Rob Galuri and uh, John Lyman. Uh, are amazing and that book is one of uh, my favorites as well it's another one that has a very tight structure of what you of, of knowing what you're going what knowing what the the, the mission is but uh, they take all sorts of twists and turns that's a great one to start out with i uh i really love that one as well um is it is it a viable career option now do you think for for young kids for people coming up is there still a a chance to make a living at it? I don't know. I mean, I've made a living at it for five years, so <laughs> I I guess. I mean, I'm not that smart or that talented, and I somehow figured it out. It's a very high uh, bar to entry because you have to make something that's as good as something Marvel or DC is going to put out, which means your cost for a trade is going to be at least eight to $10,000. Uh, uh, so... It's a lot. That's it's a lot of money, and, and it means it's really hard now because since uh, most shows are getting canceled around the country, and that's a huge way that we creators make money. Uh, it's it's really difficult. But I do not draw, and uh, I do publish. Uh, but I uh, I mean, there's there's there are ways. Uh, it is not going to be. Like I always say, if I were to sell anything else, I'd be able to sit in Bali uh, because I would be making so much money that I would like I'd be making it hand over fist. But in comics and books, you know, 100 percent effort is not going to yield what 100 percent effort would do if you were selling a five hundred dollar product or something like that. Right. So uh, I definitely think that it's possible, um, especially if you're a uh, especially if you're an artist. But like anything else, it's going to take, you know, years. It's going to take years of building a name and being out there and like consistency. And uh, you can't just expect to come on the scene and with one book you're going to like hit it big. Yeah, I was going to ask because you mentioned just I read lot. on your site that um, uh, you don't publish a lot. You don't publish the most books per year, and you don't necessarily publish the cheapest books every year. Um, there's there's no polite way to ask this. Are you a, are you a, just very discerning, or are you kind of a snob? Is there you know what I mean in, in the nicest Both. possible way? Both. I I I publish people that I like, and uh, I had a couple of bad experiences back when I was publishing a lot more, and I just stopped publishing. But the, I'm in a very uh, privileged position where I don't have to publish a lot. I don't have to publish anything except what I want. I don't have an office. Um, all of my stock is kept in my garage. 
and, and uh, I travel to shows and that's my biggest expense besides art. So um, I don't and I, I'm very blessed to have good fans, which means that like, you know, I make somewhere between twenty five and thirty thousand dollars every time I release a comic book, which pays for the book and the stock. And uh, and every time I release like a, a, a novel, it does pretty OK as well. So I'm you know, I'm not raking in money, but I uh, I'm 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 able to to make a six figure salary or six, six figure, uh, six figures in revenue. And then, um, and then be able to be very choosy. And That's I frankly, I'm cool. nepotistic as like, I'm, I'm very nepotistic. Like I want to, to work with people I want to work with. Like this, this job is way too hard to work with people just because I think they're going to be a hit. They have to be someone that I really, 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 really believe in. And, and those projects don't come along very often. And I'm very privileged to be able to produce my own stuff. Like I produce most of the books that we release are my own, except for the anthologies. And then I can release these anthologies that are full of really cool artists and I can test them out and see who works, who like whose work really resonates with people, uh, who they respond to, who I respond to, who I want to work with more and then start developing things with them. I've got develop things developing for with, a three or four of the artists who've been in our anthologies, but these things take a while. But luckily, again, I'm in a position where I can like produce my weird little books for my fandom. And they, uh, up until now have been very, very kind. And I love them dearly for, uh, for, for helping to support these books in a way that helps me not have to make a hundred books a year and not have to make those difficult choices to publishing something I don't believe in fully. That's got to be an awesome feeling just to have that kind of freedom. What's uh do you have a project like your your dream project if you could just like take a a year or two, 5 years whatever it takes and just uh write something um do you have one of those that's that's kind of your your uh brass ring? Well, I I already do that. Like you that's the nice that. thing about this company is is like literally any whim that I want to pursue, I can pretty much pursue as long as it's in the interest of my my fans and they are supportive of it. So right now I have uh, kind of four things that I work on. Uh, the first is the Cthulhu is Hard to Spell anthology series, where I be, or it's really our monster anthology series. The last two have been Cthulhu uh, and Lovecraft related, That's but it's really title. just a monster anthology series. Thank you so much. And uh, so that's like one little bucket that of stuff that I put into. That's sort of like my dream artists. I get to work with all of them. Luckily, my dream artists are mostly like indies and a lot of them obscure. So I don't have to like go and like uh, 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 go and try and hunt down like Todd McFarlane to be in a book. I can just like make my little weird books in my little weird place. And like it, it's been working for me. Um, the second cool. thing is I have a book called Ichabod Jones Monster Hunter which is our graphic novel series. Uh, and uh, and that's about a, a mental patient who escapes from a mental asylum and becomes a monster hunter during the apocalypse, but doesn't know if he's killing monstrous humans or it's on his head the whole time. <laughs> so it just it's finished. It's hugely popular here in Vancouver. By uh, the way. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. Uh, it's huge. 
Oh, um, yay, that's nice. <laughs> Canadian, I, uh, Cana- I do love Canadian. My Canadian fans. I wish it was just uh, a little bit cheaper to ship stuff up there. Yeah, it's that. That's <laughs> something I think we're going to have to work anything on. Anything up here. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, it's uh, uh, it's tough, especially because we're doing these kickstarters and like shipping just doubled basically in the last three months. Like since from from September to now, uh, it like double. Like, the shipping has doubled uh uh for to canada and to internationally so stuff that used to cost me twenty dollars now cost me fifty dollars to ship the same exact place like to the same address that that i've been shipping for years that's it gord you're not getting any more shirts yeah that's it i'm I'm on my own now so (laughs) yeah just went up what's one what's the story then i have is there a story oh sorry give me one sec gord let me just ask this one quick i'll turn it over to you sorry i'm just I'm totally geeking out here. <laughs> is there one story that hasn't been told by anyone yet that that exists that needs to be told in a in a either a novel or a graphic novel or or comic book? Is there is there a story out there that no well, one's I've been working Sorry, go ahead. I've been working for 2 years on a book series called The Obsidian Spindle Saga which uh is uh about a woman a girl who falls into a diabetic coma wakes up in a place called dream Realm, which is sort of like lovecraft's dreamlands and she has to get to a place called the obsidian spindle which is the most powerful uh object in the in this dream world before she dies in the real world and it's full of public domain characters like oz and and uh and the wicked witch and and uh, and uh, gorgons and mythology and, and and mythological gods and such and my thing is kind of mythology and monsters so I'm hoping that that's uh, that's sort of my dream project I've been waiting to do it for oh when did I I've I've been dreaming about doing a project like this for about five years and I've been working in pretty much silence on it uh for the last two years i finished the first book last uh last year and my wife and editor and proofreader all think it's the best book i've ever done and uh i just finished book two and three it's coming so those are coming from my from my uh from my uh editor hopefully in the next couple of days so i can start working on rewrites and then i'm going to be writing book four and then once book four is done that's when i'm going to start releasing that series so i mean i i can there be too many books about mythology and fairy tales i i don't think so well, of so, course not that's um, just I'm it. sure they there's can, something they can go on forever I james deal need a career out of it it, do you? Yeah, I mean, I. So, one question I gotta ask: go Do it. you ever surprise yourself when you're writing? Like, I, I just as I keep uh, going back to, I'm, I'm working on my first novel, and there was a twist that came a few months ago that I just went, "Where did that come from?" <laughs> like, sometimes I just I catch myself off guard, and I go, "Wow, why would I think of that?" Um, in in yeah, the best possible uh, way. That ha- is it? Do so you that still to me a lot more? Sorry. <laughs> so that happened to me a lot more when it uh, when I um, when I was pantsing. But there was a book that I wrote that'll be coming out in June called "Worst Thing in the Universe." And as I was writing that book, 
uh, we were getting to a big, big climactic scene. And uh, I started crying because I knew that there was only one way out of this scene and it was not good. And uh, yeah. I, I, I had not planned it in advance. And so those little happy things, uh, sad things are are really exciting. But even now, like I I feel like even now with my long series where theoretically things shouldn't be things shouldn't be uh, uh, surprising me in the God's verse, because like I've been writing it for years, like I've been writing it since 2015 and it's my most popular universe so uh, I shouldn't be getting surprised by it and yet I I do still get surprised when I'm writing it that like oh I'm surprised you made that choice and I always I always uh, think that my subconscious brain is smarter than my conscious brain and that oh, my definitely. subconscious brain has been making it's been making these connections that <laughs> that my conscious brain uh, can't fathom. So whenever that happens, I'm just like, oh, thank you, I, subconscious brain, for. I try to interact like, with my brain as little like as thing. possible. I, I, me and my brain, he he leaves me alone. I leave him alone. We just do our own thing, and hopefully nobody gets hurt. <laughs> yeah, Gord, you're being awfully quiet I like over to there. Just dump it. Well, I mean, so much of this is so out of my realm of even being able to ask questions about um because well, as, soon as, you, as soon as you learn to read it'll, it'll all come around well like i mean you're all, you're also talking about a guy who has the artistic skill of a drunk three-year-old with no arms um so i just don't have the ability uh so it's all i mean listening to you guys talk has been fascinating the one thing i just sort of want to know and you kind of briefly sort of touched on it uh but like I'm just I'm checking out your like your published work like uh, like you know, like the Godverse and Deathfall Behinder, uh, and I cannot tell you how overtly stupidly excited I am to read these. Um, I, I'm fascinated by anything that's got to do with um, religion, sort of religious overtones without a preachy aspect to it. Um, but I'm just fascinated by the fact that this you know the uh, the your your being character literally wants to murder satan and uh to stop the apocalypse i just I'm, that's just a fascinating thing are you like, a i guess a dual, dual partner um a are you a religious person or uh, is it just or do you use the overtones of this because i've seen this quite a bit of a like you've used part of religion or at least the end of time uh in a lot of uh in a, a few of your books anyway um are you a religious person in that sense or do you just like the demons that can come out of it <laughs> i feel like most of my career and life has been about trying to reconcile my catholic upbringing uh so i'm a lapsed catholic i still wear a cross but not a crucifix cross uh so a, a christian cross not a catholic cross um but uh, almost everything that i've done since i've left uh since i got confirmed was about figuring out how to live with the fact that um, there's a flaw in Catholicism that I just, I, I don't know how to, um, I, 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 I personally can't rectify. And that is this idea that God is all knowing, all powerful and all good. Mm, like exactly. I can square any two of those, but I can't square <laughs> the circle for all, for all three of them. Like he could be, 
all good and all knowing, but like a dick, he could be <laughs> all good and, and and all powerful, but not all knowing. He can be all good and all knowing, but not all powerful. But like, I just can't imagine looking at the world that like he would have let it get this far if like all three of those things were true. Uh, that's so what we call the epistemological juxtaposition. The that's yeah. That was my. Yeah, my, that's. Uh, I studied it all through school. That that was my my biggest problem. And I just uh, gorgeous read my. I I wrote a short story all about this subject that uh, um, is actually kind of picking up some a little bit of steam up here finally. Um, but yeah, the the God is. There's no way he's a nice guy. That's it. He just can't be. Well, that's yeah. what sent me to first uh, Eastern religion and then pagan religions and got me obsessed with mythologies all over the world because um, I can square very easily most other mythologies. Like, I can square even the Jewish mythology because, like, God's a dick to them. Like, God's <laughs> a dick, and they're just like, well, you're a dick, but, like, whatever, you are God, so I guess we're just going to put up with it. Um, <laughs> it's only in this... Uh, this very specific religious context where like God also becomes all good. Like I really like, um, so the, the, the God's verse, the big overarching thing of the God's verse is that all gods are real. That's how we used to have so many God sightings and we didn't. But, uh, so, so when a habitable world is formed, all the gods kind of come and make sure that it's, um, that it, that it's, uh, that it works like that. It's sustainable. Uh, like when you start a business and like you have to be in every part of it to make sure that it's like because it's very fragile life. But then once it's kind of sustainable and like the humans are there and everything <laughs> like the other gods screw off to the next like place that they're trying to build and they leave one regent in charge. And the region that we get is Bacchus, who's a vain drunk. So he does a couple <laughs> of things. First, he's incompetent. Second, he's very vain. So he turns all of the uh, temples in, which are supposed to be there to worship the old gods, and he 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 kind of turns them all into churches that all worship him. So this is not supposed to happen in any other world. Like they're all supposed to be like uh, 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 worshiping all of the gods because like that's who created them, all of the gods together. Um, so uh, 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 that is sort of. The, the, the way that I fix that flaw where it's like you could actually go all over the world and watch how, for instance, we just went to Rome. I just went to Rome on a on a um, on a research trip and you can go into the Parthenon and you can see how it used to be a church, a, a temple for multiple gods. And it got converted into a church and all over Rome, all of these temples are now churches either built atop churches or just either built atop temples or literally just uh, converted straight into churches from temples. Uh, so uh, you can literally watch all of these things happen. And I believe that, like, if, if we're created in God's image, then, like, we're kind of petty and dickish and, like, in vain and greedy. <laughs> and we're nice, too. Like, we have our good qualities. We're not all bad, but, like, like we're definitely not all good. And, like, I couldn't imagine, like, like, I can imagine a group of, like, kind of shitty gods, like, making humanity and just, like, well, that's the best we got. Like, they're <laughs> us, but just, like, a, 
a slightly worse version of us. So, <laughs> They're us um, just without the powers. <laughs> right, exactly. So uh, that's like, I, I understand that. And I think that most of my work um, going back to the very beginning uh, is about like religion and at least the power dynamics of religion and, and how people take power and how gods assume power. And uh, I think the God's verse and the work that I'm doing now is kind of the... Um, kind of all of the things that I'm working on, all of the narrative threads, whether it's uh, the vessel, which deals a lot with like power and religion, and uh, or like worst thing in the universe, which will be out, which is narrated by God, and uh, about like whether humanity deserved to exist and why why she created them. So uh, so all of this stuff kind of really is just my way of like brain dumping out all of my anxiety about how I can't circle this one square. Like I just can't do it. I don't understand how they can be all three people. And I've heard literally hundreds of people stop me in the streets or stop me at my table or, and try and explain this to me. The the and way I tried to explain I, it in I the short never... story that I just showed Gord was that uh, you, it's beyond explanation. It's something we can't wrap our mind around. And this is what God says in my short story. He's just like, you don't get it. <laughs> you don't. You don't know time. It doesn't. Time isn't uh, based upon the whatever you came up with on your little planet. And I can't explain it to you in any way that will make your puny brain understand it. So, you just got to deal with it. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, that's why I really like Lovecraft's work and responded to it. I don't really find him that compelling a horror author. He's fine. He's he's fine. He's good. He's got his moments. Um, but I really love this mythology because mytholo his mythology works on this orange-blue morality line, which is basically like a morality line that you literally can't understand as a human. Um, yeah. And you just like they they have their own stuff going on there is they got their own morality going on there and like you don't have to understand it and you can't understand it except that uh catholicism is all about understanding it like they, they say they have an answer like they say there's an answer like like uh uh, uh greek roman mars egyptian uh most eastern religions they never claim to have an answer they don't claim to have the answer they just are there. They're just like, hey, the gods, we know there are gods. They kind of suck or they got their own stuff going on. But like it's 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 specific to uh, Western religions and specifically the big. Th well, Catholic Christianity for, for the main one is the one I studied throughout my if life. If Catholicism but made any sense, the Vatican they, they claim to have right? an answer. Right. But like like if they just didn't claim to have an answer, like I don't think that like even Judaism claims to have an answer. They're just trying to get through this whole thing with like as best as they can. Um, granted, I'm not Jewish. I'm just I know I've studied enough of it, but like I'm probably butchering it. But I do know about <laughs> Christianity and I do know that like priests claim to have an answer and if they have if they claim to have an answer it needs to be compelling and i've never been compelled by the answer i'm not saying i'm i'm agnostic like i don't know what is out there i believe that like there's something out there but i i just can't circle this one square in this one religion that like is the religion that i have grown up with so 
it has been incumbent upon me for 30 years uh, to write about this one singular topic in as many interesting ways as I possibly could to try and figure out a way to circle this square. And the way that I have come up with is like, well, like he's just lying just like vain and he's lying and like it's just like or he didn't lie and like the catholic church or these other people have just like made it true and like he's not all powerful and he can't change it or like something something is wrong and so i have that is what the kind of god's verse is generally about so your god really is kind of like putin <laughs> so yeah so like uh, i'll be honest like i totally understand like my books i think make even more sense in the current climate that we live in because like you're looking at people and you're like but you're you're lying you're just lying and yes half of these people believe it but like you're blatantly lying like yeah. there should be a tracker underneath you to show that you're lying like that just, it's the, a lie it's a flat that, out lie that's the tagline to this show is stop lying because um, <laughs> I, I, I really think with with all the problems we're facing these sort of 21st century problems we've come up with be it climate change or uh overpopulation or even the coronavirus whatever we're dealing with we've got very intelligent people on both sides dealing with it if they both just stopped lying and work together to solve a problem We'd be light years ahead of where we are now, but it's yeah. that doesn't seem to be the goal. The goal is just uh, can I convince the majority of people that my lies are more are less untrue than your lies? Like everybody knows everybody's lying. It's not even a secret anymore. It's uh, well, this is the weird who's thing. Better telling the, yeah, it's just who's better at telling the lie? Right? This or is who can produce like a Greta right? Thunberg to tell the lie for them? Oh, she's a cute girl. She can't be lying. This is the problem with. Well, this is the thing with tribalism is like I most of my work as a nonfiction author is about helping people build audiences and connect with each other. But as as good as it can be to like have a tribe and connect with the tribe and like have your little people who watch the show and my people who read my books. And that's great. It also creates a. Uh, a lot of problems because we're all now like relying on like uh, falling back to these much smaller tribes instead of remembering that we're like all one real tribe of like humanity and like it's really just like these borders that we're that we're that we're getting and the money that we're using and like stock markets going up and down are like figments of our imagination like the stock market dropped 30% in a month and like literally nothing changed like nothing yeah. changed except some people got really panicked but like yeah. the actual like day-to-day -day life of people besides losing their jobs like they lost their jobs but like like it's only because a magical number went down and me and Karen my wife were looking at it and like oh the stock market went up because of magic like it's just magic that happened. it is it's it's kind of like a, it's an and imaginary like, thing uh the the economy in general is kind of it's just sort of imaginary. They've made it up, and uh, the the money they talk about isn't real. Um, when you look at the American debt, that that's not real. They're not ever paying that. That's in the yeah, trillions so there was of dollars. Something like we're tw we're twenty one trillion dollars. 
well, it's like the world is 21 trillions of trillion dollars in debt overall. And it's like, who are we all in debt to? 21 <laughs> trillion dollars in debt. To like, no, We're nobody. Like, China. China's <laughs> included in that. Like, it's, it's it just, just, it makes no sense. So um, I try to. In my That's writing, OK, because I heard Trump's just going to borrow it from uh, his dad to, to make some sense about. It. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Again. Again. Uh, so, yeah, I, I try to in my own writing uh, uh, makes try and make some sense about it. Look, I don't I don't expect many people to agree with me, uh, but my dad was in minor seminary and he's about the most religious person I ever met. And like he liked my books. So I figure I couldn't be all bad or they couldn't be all bad because like he didn't disown me for like writing about all of this stuff because like I try to do it not in a sacrilegious way. I try to do it in like an earnest way. Like I am earnestly trying to like figure all of this stuff out. And I think that um, uh, I, I do have a lot of people who are religious who read my, my work. And I think at least what I've gathered from them is that while they don't agree with it, they appreciate that like it's not making fun of their, of their religion. It's just, it's a, but it's a person who is earnestly trying to make sense of the world. And the way that I've made sense of it is not the way that they make sense of it. Um, because the best answer that I've gotten from them is just like, some things come down to faith and I would just rather believe it than not. And like, I learned a long time ago. Um, so I had a friend who I knew in high school and I, I was in a big anti-religion kick for a while. And uh, his daughter was dying of cancer. And I made some post about it, about like how I like how anyone who basically anyone who does religion is turns to religion is dumb or something. This was many years ago. And he he commented, he said, my daughter is dying. And the only thing that brings me comfort is that there's some other purpose. And like, why would you want to take that away from me? And it was in that moment that I, 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 I really like had a come to Jesus moment, where I was like, he's right. Like, he's not doing anything wrong. Like, he's fine. Like, he's, he's, he's trying to live a good life. He's trying to do the right thing. He's not hurting himself or anybody else. Uh, so, like, yeah. So now my philosophy is like, anything you can do to get through the day that doesn't hurt yourself or others uh, is fine. It's fine. Like, do it. Like, get. In the last few years, I've become really intolerant of my atheist friends. I've realized they're they're far more preachy than any religious person I've ever hung out with. Like they, when yeah, someone sure. comes up and says "Merry Christmas" at Christmas time, and then well, actually, I'm atheist. Now, let me spend twenty minutes explaining to you why that matters. It's like just shut up, get on with your life. Uh, <laughs> it's it's really life's too short to worry about. Let's face it, Christ doesn't even. Christ doesn't have anything to do with Christmas anymore anyway, so what difference does it make? It's all about buying gifts. <laughs> it's true, but I, I find, yeah, just I, I'm starting to realize uh, something I didn't know is that a lot of religious people have a great sense of humor, and they don't have a problem making fun of themselves, um, so which is I fantastic. Went to, uh, Salt Lake, so I went to Salt Lake City last year for a oh, show, wow. and uh, Salt Lake City is the home of the Mormon people like they they it's like where their their headquarters is my books are like i don't think they're anti-religion but they're definitely not pro-religion um and uh so i went there and i I was very nervous 
very nervous because like, my be friends too. had gone there and done well, but like they don't have books where like God's a vain drunk and like that's not the point of the the literal whole book. There was not a whole book about like God questioning whether he made a mistake uh, creating humanity and it's told from his point of view. Oh, uh, he's got to think uh, that. At so some point, he's got to be like, what the hell did I do? <laughs> Uh, these guys are retarded. Why <laughs> yeah, did I? So I was very them? nervous, and I found the yeah, I found the people in Salt Lake City to be very tolerant and like very funny and very willing to have an open discussion about uh, religion and like our place in it. And they would often buy my books, despite the fact that they. They would say, I would be like, but I don't understand why you're buying this book. It's like, well, you know, it's a different opinion. And, you know, I, I'm okay with different opinions. Uh, probably not my opinion, but I, I, I want to be open. I'm, I'm open to reading other stuff. And I thought that was very, it was much cooler and more tolerant than I thought, especially because Mormons are known to be uh, quite conservative as a, as a unit. Yeah. Uh, so I expected that to be a lot different than what I found. Um, so I, what's been nice about these books is they've actually opened up a lot of interesting conversations and discussions with people. And, uh, and um, it's been nice. I, I didn't know what to expect. And granted, they're not everyone's cup of tea and it's certainly like not the biggest niche to write into, but um, I've been very pleased with the, uh, with the, with, with, with the response for people that like mythology or like, um, thinking about religion or just like really awesome fantasy books. That's that's, that's very the novel cool. series. I that's my number one goal this year, as, as Gordon fun. knows, and he's on board too. I I think we need to open up that dialogue, and I think we need um, people of faith and and non-believers to just realize they're not that different, and we can talk and we can sort of work square circles together and work to solve a problem. Um, I would really like to see those sort of borders come down and, and uh, there'd be a lot more interaction. I'd also like to see us all go very Christian and start killing people again. Um, I think it would be great if we just started <laughs> wiping out pedophiles. Just That's what Christians used to do. They used to go to a place and if you disagreed with them, they wiped you out and then there was no problem. I, I would love to see them return to that and get rid of some of the Epsteins of the world. Yeah, that would be that would be awesome. I'd like that to happen before my meteor hits. Yeah, <laughs> it's coming next month, maybe. Well, one thing. Well, that's just a flyby. The one that's going to hit us is going to hit us in twenty twenty seven. I the oh, is that what birthday. it is now? <laughs> uh, do you track twenty twenty seven? It's going to hit. Do you do you track that kind of stuff? Uh, also? Oh, I. <laughs> I don't. There's been way too many ones that have not happened. Like there's been there's a new end of the world every 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 year. It feels like or every other year. So like oh definitely. Uh, like I'm gonna stop getting my hopes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> See this one. I, I, only reason I'm excited about this because this is not an end of the world. It's it's it's, it's a relatively small rock, but it is going to hit. It's gonna hit in southern China. Between southern China and Japan, it's going to wipe out a nice little small chunk of land there. And I'm excited for this one because it's I think actually this... going to hit. And they Sorry, know it's going to hit. I think this it's one exciting. in April that's and... coming, uh, 
for so many years now, they've been near misses, but they said, oh, this one's hitting for sure. This one's hitting for sure, and it misses. And they go, oh, we didn't carry the one. I think this one, they're so confident it's not going to hit. I guarantee it's going to nail us somewhere. (laughs) And I hope it's before all this social uh, distancing is over. I would love that if everyone's locked up underneath just piles of toilet paper and Purell, and then just an asteroid takes us all out anyway. I just (laughs) laugh. Everybody dies alone. (laughs) Then I know for sure there's a god. Yeah, <laughs> I brought you in alone. I'm taking you out alone. That's <laughs> uh, funny. <laughs> oh well, we could. You know what? I yeah. could. I'm. I'm loving this conversation. I could keep it going all night, but I'm sure uh, you guys have better things to do. Um, Gord, you got? Did were you? Um, you're, you're good. <laughs> do I have anything? No, I'm just. One thing I just like I said. I am. I cannot wait to read um, and De- Demons Fall Behind Her. I can't wait to start reading these books. I have not been this excited to read a book pretty much ever, um, except for Robin Cook's novels. I've read all of his. I'm a big fan of his books. But um, I'm actually excited about this. I love everything. I love the plot. I love the basic idea. Um, everything about it just sounds exactly what I've been looking for in a good set of books to read so uh thank you very much for writing these ahead of time uh i can't wait to follow this and uh, you have you've to let me know what you think there. oh i will because and uh, if you like them there's a fifth one that i've just finished that's going to be out hopefully uh in june so oh very that's cool. the one and ruin fall behind her no that one's out in may, well, that one's so, out in may. okay uh, there's a new book called and conquest followed behind her which is uh katrina and the other main characters from the other books uh fighting ragnarok Oh. Uh, so, uh, we, in, in the other books, you will learn about Norse mythology and, and Egyptian mythology and how all the other mythologies kind of, uh, fit into the universe. And then the fifth book is about, uh, about, uh, a group who's trying to, uh, start Ragnarok, uh, for reasons, uh, that will become clear in the four books be- preceding it. And, uh, Katrina, and Julia Freeman from Ruin followed behind her, and Octa from And Hell followed behind her, uh, and uh, another character named Kimberly who shows up in End Ruin followed behind her are the main characters who all basically have to fight uh, against another apocalyptic thing, but this time Norse. So Ooh, let me ask, wow. uh, before we, oh, we so uh, cool. let you go, say you were a guy who thought you had the next big thing. Um Where's the best place to get it in the get it uh, on the radar of important people these days? Is there is there an easy uh, way to so? <laughs> well, it's not an easy way. So I mean, I'm I'm biased. Uh, I've built my career uh, one person at a time. I very much believe in in order to scale, you have to do the unscalable, which is build a little fan base, talk to all your fans. Uh, I have a course called Build a Rabid Fan Base, which is all about like finding your perfect human and then and then making the product for them and then scaling that little by little. And if you do it that way and you build a fan base that is big enough, then like people will, people of importance will, will pay attention, uh, and cool. they will start taking notice. I remember after five years of 
working the con circuit, just the number of people that I know who are like influential publishers and creators is massive because I, uh, I, uh, I, I, I have my own fan base, but more importantly, like when I launch a book, it, it makes a lot of money and I don't need them. And the best, the, the best way to get people to want to work with you is to not need them oh, for definitely. sure. Uh, it's uh, it's one thing that is that is 100% sure for every company I've ever started. Uh, the 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 way to get people to want to work with you is to not need them to work with you and then they will come banging down your door. Uh, I've been taking I've been I've been working on a book called the my book Ichabod Jones Monster Hunter for a decade. And it was not until it sold out of seven printings that we I got new management, I got a showrunner, I got a uh, and all suddenly everyone wants to like take this book out and like and do and, and 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 try and like sell it as a TV show. It's the same book I've been trying to sell <laughs> since 2010, but suddenly there's heat behind it. That's um, awesome. So, well, you definitely deserve it, I my have friend. One more question. I do have one more so... random question. Okay. Um, straight up personal question. I just I have to ask. Um, when you came up with the concept of a Gherkin Boy and the Dollar of Destiny. Um, what were you smoking and how can I get some? <laughs> so, um, that is the greatest concept for a book I've ever not read yet, but will. <laughs> it's just well, hilarious. <laughs> thank you. It's, uh, it, I wanted to do something. So a couple things. I wanted to do something that was, uh, absurdist cause I'm an absurdist at heart. Like I look at all of this stuff and just like, uh, what does it say? Like a, an optimist sees the best, a pessimist sees the worst, an absurdist just looks at it all crumbling down and laughs. So uh, <laughs> I, I think I'm an absurdist at heart. And uh, But more importantly, I wanted to draw a book because I've been working in comics for a long time and I felt like I really wanted to know like what it was like to draw a book. And uh, I'm not a great artist. I'm not even a good artist. I'm not a competent artist. Uh, so... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I could draw something absurdist because you didn't have to. It doesn't have to look the same every every page. And I swear to you, the Gherkin Boy does not look the same. But I could draw a little pickle thing, um, <laughs> like a pickle that looks like a penis. And then I just kept drawing things that I could. Okay, I could draw a fork. Uh, so uh, uh, a fork became like the main character, like a lecherous fork. And then yeah. I could draw like a, a black hole because it's just like a, a spiral. <laughs> and then I could draw like a uh, like uh, uh, a little eyeball person, and uh, so it became an alien was just like an eyeball, and there was a stick at the end called stick 'em up, and it just became like I can draw this, uh, and when you're doing absurdism, it it behooves you to be as absurd as humanly possible. Yeah. So uh, the premise is about a pickle who falls into a black hole and to sound an adventure across the universe to get back home. And uh, people have been very uh, 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 maybe not astute, but they've they've been very quick to point out that that sounds a lot like a penis falling into a vagina. And like <laughs> I was like, I literally didn't think that. But like whatever, man. Like I, I that's cool. <laughs> so I think the other way to go about it is kind of like I'm uh, this year putting out this the worst animated movie ever made, um, because I don't know what I'm doing and and I'm not an artist either. But I've got people fairly convinced that this is the greatest production that's ever happened, and uh, it's kind of a little bit of the Emperor's New Clothes. But I think it works nowadays. 
You can, uh, I, I'm just going to convince people that this is the way animation is supposed to be and get them all to, to uh, change for me because I can't do what they do. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's a animation is wonderful and so is art because it can be anything. So one thing that I wanted to do was so there's a there's a, a thread of of artists who don't think that they can sell work because of some reason, and so that book is absolutely like atrociously drawn. It's hilarious, like it's so funny, but it's uh it's horribly drawn. But it sold like several hundred copies, just not like a ton of copies, but um. It's a lot of copies for a book that is drawn by me. So I can look at anybody ever who says that, like, their book can't sell or woe is me or whatever and be like, I don't know, man. Have you ever seen my book, Gherkin Boy and the Dollar of Destiny? <laughs> it, it, it gets it gets one it has one review. That's two stars that says I like all of his other work, but I don't like this. <laughs> um, and people but, but but some people really love it. And like, I think that it's such a. It's such a weird, quirky book, and I just – I was in a real bad place when I made that book, and I just wanted something to, like, make me smile, and I promised to put uh, promised to put as many weird things in as possible. And uh, the logo – the slogan for our company, one of the slogans is weird books for weird people, and uh, it just does not get any weirder than Gherkin Boy. Uh, he, so he decides that the reason he gets through a black hole is he decides to not cross on a crosswalk. So he crosses away from a, a crosswalk and he falls into the uh, black hole of asphaltitis. Uh, so it's just <laughs> sometimes you just need something that makes no sense and is complete nonsense. And uh, and I just love that book so much. Uh, but I don't get to talk about it very often because, uh, you know, it's. It's not our best seller, and it's you. It's not the book that I want somebody to go to look at first. But uh, <laughs> if it's the book that people end up reading and loving, then I, uh, I I'm very excited because, uh, like, I think there's no better uh, use of my or, or, or explanation of my humor than Kirk and Boy. And if you can believe it, I actually pitched that show to Nickelodeon. And they were interested for a very small amount of time. <laughs> oh, that doesn't surprise me. I, I mean, if I had the if I had the backing of a network, I mean, we would already be on season five. I'm telling you right now. That's just <laughs> just based off the description. I am so all over the, the shit out of this. <laughs> this just sounds hilariously funny. It makes so me I, get back into doing drugs again. <laughs> I guess the well, well, um... he does. Uh, he... Sorry, you guys go ahead. <laughs> Oh no, he is. Uh, he goes on the he goes on the journey to find uh, the 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 dollar of destiny because he wants to smoke drugs. That's why. That's why he starts. <laughs> sure. So perfect. <laughs> so I suppose the con season is uh, is it just on hold now? Uh, is is everything canceled? Everything through, as far as I know, everything through May is canceled. Uh, Eric Garcetti has said that um, uh, that we're we're going to be Eric Garcetti is the mayor of Los Angeles. And so he has said that uh, that we are going to be locked inside till for two more months or till the end of May. Uh, My best projections 
like the best projections of like how short it will be will be like it will be over in June. But I still can't imagine that someone will be that the CDC or who will recommend a 50,000 person show to exist uh, for yeah. the decided future. You know, I think that we'll get, uh, you know, like China, they're they're uh, they're starting. They opened up stuff and they opened up their stores and like they're starting to get back to normal. But like, I don't think they're going to put on a 200,000 person show with like san diego comic-con like that would just be uh cons are are like germ like germ central so to go from whatever the 10 that the cdc um is uh is recommending now to like fifty thousand seems like it's a it's, it's a big jump I, I look forward to getting back and like having all of my friends who work at comic book stores um uh, uh, like be able to get back to work and be able to go eat at a restaurant. I just can't imagine that like you will see San Diego Comic-Con because that's like 200,000 people. That's that, the part like, that's really bugging me. I was out earlier place. today and I was dying for lunch and there's literally, you can't just stop somewhere and have lunch. There's, it was the most oh. annoying thing. Like there, there's no like a lot of places in in I the community I'm in aren't even accepting cash because they they think that cash coronavirus is going to be living on the cash so they're not even taking cash so it's not even you can't go to a restaurant but even if I did I can't pay it's uh I really hope it's not I very permanent I, I think we're going to be longer in this you know, than uh, we like to think of. what's that Gordon that's one thing I never thought of do food trucks are they even allowed to be open now I. I saw I, a food truck open. I don't know that people would would uh, patronize them at the moment. I know, like, uh, everywhere I was today, people were, it was very no contact. It was kind of like leave your money on the counter and back away slowly sort of a situation. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think that we're in, if, if we are China or South Korea, then you're looking at eight weeks. If you, if like nothing, if you don't actually like up in Canada, they're locking down things down here in America. They're not locking down stuff like they're, they're like selectively locking down certain cities and areas, but not like the entire country as a whole. So who knows? It might be eight weeks. It might be 12 weeks. It might be whatever, but I just, I cannot imagine a world where, uh, Suddenly, like we open back up, and then a month later, we're holding huge conventions again. It just no. doesn't seem safe. Uh, so, I don't think that there will be a con season this year. I honestly don't think that there will be a con season next year either. I, oh, wow. I, I just, I, I have, I have trouble believing that, like, until there's herd immunity or a a vaccine that tens of thousands of people are going to want to go out of their house to a place and risk getting sick because many people already get sick at conventions anyway. <laughs> I also think true. we're going to see a big, think that... I think we're going to see a big transition. Uh, I, I think from universities, students going, wait a minute, why am I, well, how come I haven't been doing this online the whole time? 
and and people who didn't work remotely now are going to go, oh, geez, I can work remotely. I'm just going to do that from now on. I think we're going to see a huge shift next year in, in um, yeah, really I- just isolation because it's convenient and cheap. Um, like you said, yeah, uh, I, I, things, things like with the stock market, it crashes and ordinary people don't notice. Um, I, I know for me personally, like the, uh, whole social distancing concept, this is about as social as I get. So it's, it's really not having much of an impact on my life. Um, do you, th- I, I almost wonder if that's part of the plot is they're trying to get this, make it a little bit more normal to, uh. Uh, ease into the world of AI and 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 just uh, online or cloud based interactions. I guess is that uh... I don't know. I, I would I would have I would have a hard time believing. So I didn't think there was any chance that we would not have San Diego Comic Con. But then we closed down like literally the entirety of the Western world, pretty much, and. Yeah. Uh, I'm now, like, I did not think that, like, there is no way that that anyone would want the economy to tank in the way that it has. Like, assuming there is somebody in power, like, there's a group in power that are trying to do things. I just, I don't have zero chance believe that they would want a 10% reduction in the GDP of the world for, like, a quarter. Because, like, that's bad for earnings. Yeah. Um, I think so, we had our chance in 2008 uh, uh, and we missed it. If that's if that was the goal, uh, 2008 was was our opportunity and we we screwed it up. Unless if 2008 was the test run and now they know exactly where to put the money, so they know where to get the best bang for the buck when they come out of it. Well, start buying gold. Maybe trading your know. Bitcoin to buy gold, Gord. Yep, I'm keeping my Bitcoin. It's all going to be about Bitcoin. That's it. <laughs> uh yeah i i, I bought bitcoin when it was at sixteen thousand. so like i don't even look at my bitcoin anymore because it's at like three now <laughs> i um i had uh i sold a um i well i didn't sell i basically uh a girl bought a hard drive um and she made yeah mailed it to me i filled it with all the music and random shit that i had and uh, she paid me $130 in Bitcoin. And I was like, oh, it's pretty cool. Uh, a week later, it's worth $125. I'm like, well, that's not very cool. And it's a f- dropped down. The lowest so far it dropped down to was $62. And um, I was like, shit, that, that, that really dropped down. And it is officially up to almost 80 bucks again. So I'm coming back up. Nice. I still maintain Bitcoin is going to be the MySpace of cryptocurrency. I, it's, something's gonna come up well, behind I'm, it. I'm hoping it's the Instagram of currency. Because <laughs> I, I will never Instagram. So. <laughs> um, so other than uh, a really great website, which is the CompleteCreative.com, people can find you at. Where's uh, you, we we can't plug con season. What what can we plug for you that uh, that you would like our meager little well, group of listeners to know about? Well, I have a 
very good podcast called The Complete Creative, where I interview creators about how they built and sustain their business. Uh, we talk about creativity. We talk about audience building. We talk about specific projects. I've had people like doc Dr. Deborah Holland come on and talk about burnout in the creative community. Uh, I had Marv Wolfman come on and talk about what it was like to create the Teen Titans. Uh, Richard Starking's been on my show, who lettered Killing Joke. Uh, I've had Hugo winners, had Eisner winners. Uh, I've had uh, just uh, very high level discussions about how uh, about how to be more productive and and uh, all sorts of amazing talks. There's almost 200 episodes uh, between the complete creative and the backlog for my previous show, The Business of Art. And I think some people so, don't really uh, you can find consider that. when if you are a creative and you do happen to make it, I've had a little tiny bit of a taste of that with music. I don't think people foresee how much work it is and how much of a business you have to treat it as. So getting that kind of advice is yes. really important. You don't just get to be creative all the so, time. It's a tremendous amount of like a day job, really. It's absolutely a day job. And uh, so I try to break down and demystify on the complete creative. Um, but I don't know. I'm, I feel like I need to come up with a more fun way to talk about the show because it's like it's really like two uh, two six figure creatives who are like talking about their careers and like having fun doing it and talking about like making stuff. So it's quite a bit more fun, I feel like, than I I. I, I feel like when I talk about it, it feels much stuffier than the show actually is. Um, <laughs> shows basically like I'm a six figure creative. I, I interview other six figure creatives about like how they built their career and how uh, they sustain their career and like also how they make things and how and, 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 and the problems and the, the successes and what like success even means. And it's a, uh, it, it, it's, I don't know. I there's a lot of really good podcasts, but mine is also one that is quite good. And specifically because uh, I have been quite successful and I'm able to dig deep on on some of the things that like other shows can't because they have not lived it. Whereas I have lived that experience. And now I am digging deep on those topics with people that I've always wanted to talk to. So the complete creative, if you like podcasts is, uh, is a good one to check out. You can find it on any of the podcast players uh, or on the complete creative.com forward slash podcast. And I highly uh, recommend checking out the website because it's a great site. Well, thank you. We just did a massive 10,000 word blog post on how to run a live virtual convention. We just did one and uh, I literally laid out step by step by step how to what tech you need, uh, where to go, how to how to develop uh, a program and pretty much everything you need to run your own virtual conference. And you can do you can find that one at uh uh, thecompletecreative.com forward slash virtual conference. That's what, what I'm, I'm planning one in two in a couple of weeks and then one in a month. And I'm going to be running a lot of these virtual conferences because that's where the world is going. And I'm trying yeah. to do really like niche ones. We're doing one on writer for writers. So maybe you would, uh, you would like one, Eric. I it's, would love uh, to. that this one's called the online writers convention or sorry, the online writers conference. Um, we booked, uh, Tim Powers. And um, Kaja Folio, uh, Jody Lanai oh. from Myth Ventures, 
uh, we plus like a whole bunch of amazing uh, uh, guests to talk about developing an idea, writing an idea, setting the story, world building, marketing, publish. We're going to have a couple of publishers on. We're trying to get one of the publishers from Random House to come on. And cool. uh, it's a really, really cool uh, thing that's going to happen the 17th and 18th live completely free on Twitch, uh, YouTube, and uh, and uh, Twitter, and Facebook at uh, onlinewritersconference.com. I will check that out. Um, and uh, I really like this virtual thing, thing that's going on. It's really neat. Um, everyone's doing these virtual things. I, my uh, My mother's husband's obsessed with NASCAR. And they did virtual racing this weekend where there was no one. At, they were all at home in simulated in simulators and uh, it was shown on TV. It looked like a race. It was really kind of neat. Um, That's cool. Uh, yeah, I, I like that. All of this stuff. I feel like there's going to be a glut of it and then people are going to push back and uh, like pull back in like six months when uh when uh you know this whole thing either has died down or become normal and my goal is to have run enough of these conferences by then that i can pick the ones that are really good and just keep running them pretty consistently at least once a year because it's it's actually pretty easy to run a virtual conference uh it was much easier than i thought i mean granted I've run a podcast for a long time. I do a lot of video and I've done a lot of conferences. So it like it all fit into my wheelhouse. But uh, it was quite a bit. Uh, it, it actually uh, it actually uh, functioned pretty, pretty easily. And I, I'm excited to run more and to have that live interaction with with fans. I don't get live interaction that often. And I so would think really, that uh, participation I'm, I'm, like attendance would probably be better than you would expect just because it's that much easier to attend um realistically if i can go to a well, conference it's... without leaving my room i'm in heaven well unless you have like 50 options of conferences and then like it becomes hard um i would say we had about 30 people watching consistently like literally different 30 people but throughout the convention for three days over 13 hours with like two days of planning we had a good 30 people watching consistently throughout the whole thing which i mean it's basically a classroom of people and we probably hit about 150 to 200 people over that weekend and literally over two days of like we had two days to plan it and there were questions and there were uh, there was uh, there were art demonstrations and it was just it was just a really fun time and I'm looking forward to doing that uh, at uh, onlinewritersconference.com and uh, you can sign up and check it out. It's the page is not completely built yet, but it will be in a couple of days. That's going to happen on April 17th and 18th. And then if you just want to like check out my books, uh, you can go to russellnolte.com forward slash mail, join our mailing list and get a couple of uh, free issues of our comic. Uh, Which I've done, free... by the way. <laughs> awesome. Uh, and, well done. I signed up earlier. Nice. I'm, I'm just going to uh, uh, inundate you with horrible comic ideas that I've had over the years and incomplete little sketches. And That's cool. Oh. I won't publish any of them. Oh, no. No, I, <laughs> I would certainly hope not. <laughs> um, but yeah, you can. It'll be. It, it's. Uh, I try to. I mean, if you like mythology and monsters, that's my writing side. So I really try to break both sides up. So um, the complete creative is the educational wing of Wannabe Press, 
but they are they function as two separate things. So if you're into like the creative process stuff of like how to build a business, how to be a creative, uh, then the complete creative is for you. And there's resources there, free courses, epic blog posts, and my podcast. If you're a reader, then uh, if you like mythology and monsters, fantasy thriller, uh, 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 that is on uh, russellnolte.com. And then you can see all of my books, sign up for our mailing list. And, uh, and the two don't overlap very often. I do I want to add just to, to our listeners about things that readers. Any of our listeners who may be interested, uh, they both the the uh, complete creative. Uh, it's it's not over your head. It's uh, comprehensive. It's easy to understand. It 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 kind of feels like it's very it's a welcoming website. It's not like uh, it's not a bunch of really successful people looking down on you. It's uh, really helpful. It was really fun to go through today. Um, so oh, anyone thank you who's so uh, much that really means a lot. I try and keep it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Try and keep what, it conversational. You've done a great job, and you're right. It doesn't. There, there isn't a lot of crossover there, but it, it's uh, both sites are. Uh, it seems like you've just found a way to make it uh, as enjoyable for whoever, wh- whatever you're trying to access. You're going to have a good time doing it, uh, and that's that's difficult to find these days, and it's it's very very cool. Oh, thank um, you so much. Yeah, we used to have a much smaller audience. And when we had a smaller audience, I kind of combined them together. But as our audience grew, I got more and more people saying, I don't care about this thing or I don't care about this thing. So it really became apparent that we should split them up. But it be- makes it things much easier because now the people that want the, 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 the process advice can find it very easily. And the people that just want to have... Uh, entertainment and uh, and uh, and uh, and uh, extract value from like fantasy and sci-fi and that kind of stuff can find it there too so that is very quickly going to happen to this show because every email we get on this show is i don't care what eric has to say so we're gonna have to separate me and gordon <laughs> in the near future definitely <laughs> <laughs> that's dangerous <laughs> <laughs> all right kids russell thank you so much for joining us it was absolutely a ton of fun to talk to you um, so everybody, everybody who's listening, all four of you, uh, check out the complete creator.com and, uh, Russell, uh, Nolte.com. I wanted to go with the Nolte again. And, um, <laughs> I will be looking up that. Sorry. The, uh, writer's convention is April 17th and 18th. Yes. April wow. 17th and 18th live. That's one I have to remember for myself. All right, kids. I'm going to say, because I can see Gord literally falling asleep as we talk. So I'm going <laughs> to put him out of his misery here. Uh, thanks a lot for joining us, everybody. We're gone for the uh, weekend. For the record, Russell, that's got nothing to do with you. <laughs> for the record, Russell, I'm falling asleep. Not because of you. I just have the most pathetic sleeping patterns. And, uh, yeah, I'm just dying. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm very thankful that you guys uh, took the time to have me on, and uh, I look forward to hanging out with you guys on the interwebs. Definitely. Absolutely. Thanks very much. Um, we are gone for the weekend, ladies and kids. Um, until Monday, take care of each other. Don't Nicely do something done, stupid George. unless you want to kill yourself after. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to do this now. <laughs> 
go drink some bleach. That's officially um, the quietest I've ever done been on an interview. I must agree. <laughs> Where is well, my... and, Eric, and Eric is so worried. Because <laughs> initially I actually wasn't even supposed to be a part of this because I was supposed to be at a... Uh... Loved what you've heard on this week's episode? Well, well, the answer is simple. It would mean the world to us if you could head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review and feedback. Spreading the word really is the best way to grow our podcast and achieve even greater things. Thank you. Thank you. Please be advised that this podcast is meant for educational and informational purposes only and is in no way a replacement for legal or medical advice. The opinions contained within are solely those of the interviewers and interviewees and should be received as so. Those seeking help or advice are encouraged to obtain professional legal and medical services.